Welcome to the Rich Feet Podcast with Dr. Tanisha Richmond. This podcast is sponsored by the Richmond Foot and Ankle Clinic, where they specialize in happy feet. Each episode highlights the best of Dr. Richmond's radio show, providing bite-sized clips of advice. Let's jump right into the show. Richmond, what's been going on with you? What have you observed in the last 30 days? With wow. The, with the latest developments. Well, um, oh my goodness. Things with COVID. You've uh, been to uh, a couple of, what, seminars? You've no. Got some, you've got some things you've uh, picked up. Um, yes, I started another business. You started another business. <laughs> you're, just, you're just a busy lady. Well, you know, well, what happened was when COVID first started, I wanted to make custom face masks to give away to my patients. Then, then what happened to George Floyd, which was unfortunate, which, and then the protest started and I couldn't physically go out and protest because I have to go to work. Can't get, you know, take a risk, get shot in the head with a bullet or, or get <laughs> catching the case. Got to go to work. So I said, well, how can I protest while I work, while I go to the grocery store and everything else? So I started making face masks. So I can actually show a couple here. So I have this one, Black Lives Matter. I have the power fist that I made. I actually made one that says, I am Black History. And not to be arrogant, but I am part of Black History. I'm the first African-American female-owned practice in the city of Dayton. And one of the few, actually, I was talking to you, one of the few black female doctors who have their own radio show on a black owned radio station. And you've been in existence for how many years? Since 19, since 1988. Yeah. So y'all are black history. Mm -hmm. And then I also made, I love uh, Black Panther. So I made some Black Panther masks. I'm actually selling all these at my office for $10. And it's, people have come and said they wanted multicolors and this, that, and other. Those prices do increase for more colors. We're doing solid colors, which are easier to make. But this is just a second stream of income, especially with all the instability with the economy right now, with the governor now saying we are spiking again. Um, we are now becoming a hot spot. So, you know, we're kind of living on the edge, um, trying to see what the future holds. So I'm just trying to prepare in case, you know, we have another shutdown, which may be possible. Do you really think that's possible? Yes. You do? Yes. Our governor does not play. <laughs> he slays. He, he does not play. He does not play. And if he's he has amped up with the testing, actually, they've been having testing at Drew. I think Drew Health Center, the health centers are going to start doing testing on site. I think you can go to the health department and see when they will start doing testing, but they're getting set up to start doing testing in their parking lots. And then I think Miami Valley was in our parking lot with an RV doing testing. And I think they'll be back in our parking lot at Drew Health Center on the 6th. So, and then I heard the mayor may institute us wearing masks at all times outside. So, and then when the kids go back to school in the fall, they'll have to wear a mask. So we'll pretty much be wearing masks probably, probably at least the next year. Yes. <laughs> 
So tell us how has it affected, in one way or another, obviously it's affected us all, but how has it affected the business of the feet? Well, I think people, well, now people are coming out. I'm seeing people from January, February who haven't been out. Uh, I'm seeing some neglected things. I'm seeing a lot of ulcers that have gone bad or I've had to send a couple people to the hospital where they've had infections or their wounds or, I mean, I'm worried about their vascular status. Like we talked about with Dr. Faccaretti, I need them to get to a vascular surgeon as soon as possible to get their vascular status assessed and um, addressed. I actually had a lady with wounds almost on every toe of every foot. And it was getting worse, and I had to send her to the hospital. Then I had another lady come in with wound on one foot. Then she developed a raging infection on the other foot. I had to send her to the hospital. And then I had another patient <laughs> come in, hadn't been in since last year, and he had venous stasis ulcers. And those are really bad ulcers, and his wound had to be taken care of. So we're, I'm seeing a lot of things that have been neglected. People coming in with nails an inch, inch and a half long, growing into their skin. Just a lot of things have been neglected because people haven't come into the office out of fear of coming out of their houses. So I'm actually happy people are starting to come out more. We actually have masks. We I'm making custom masks for patients, but we keep running out. But we do have paper masks for patients to wear. We want everyone to wear a mask. My staff's wearing a mask. We all have masks. So, and we're cleaning, well, we always clean between patients anyway, but we're cleaning more between patients, sterilizing, trying to keep everything sanitary for the patients, decreasing. We're doing temperature checks on patients now on staff. So, you know, we're, we're doing everything we can to be safe, keep the staff safe, keep the patients safe, and keep me safe, and just take care of the patients. I think right now this is just a really... Outside of just the health part, it's a lot of mental health part to this. And actually, I was watching a documentary on Netflix, and they actually talked about the mental health part of this. And they said for people to start projects, like I started doing the mask, the crafting. I tell patients now, you know, it's time to start learning crochet, knitting, do puzzles, do the adult coloring books. If you can, you know, if you willing, you know, buy groceries for someone, do something for someone else. And that may help you with your mental health because this is a really stressful time well, for the whole world. But Americans, I think we're probably taking it the worst because we're just so used to our freedoms and having any of it taken away is really devastating, which we see um, in our population. I'm actually um, planning to do a talk get that work on that is having some other specialists specialists come in and talk about racial disparities um, with everything that's going on with George Floyd is really brought to life just racial disparities not just politically but health wise as well as the reputation rates in African American as he was saying it was like 28% higher and then he also discussed on how it's different based on what part of the country you live in, socioeconomic factors. And sadly, being in the urban part of Dayton, Ohio, in off of West 3rd Street at the Drew Health Center, I see a lot of amputations that could be preventable. And, and even within the last 
I would say last few weeks, I, like I said, I've been seeing a lot of things. Hopefully they do not turn into amputations, but luckily most of the patients that when they do come see me, they're immediately tested and their vascular status is tested, or I get them immediately to a vascular surgeon who can check their vascular status before they're possibly talked to or tried to be made a candidate for uh, a lower extremity amputation. And like Dr. Faccaretti said, if a person loses one limb, they have a 50% chance of dying in five years. If they lose both limbs, they have a 100% chance of dying in five years. So, and then knowing, not only knowing the statistics, but seeing it daily in my practice and hearing about it, once we try to call patients, recall patients for appointments and hearing that they have passed, you know, it's something that I deal with all the time in my practice. You do? Mm-hmm. And how do you deal with it? I mean, it's it's just something, it, it's not a, it's not an article. It's, it's, it's a statistic, but it's something that I know is real. Like, it's a lot of things they'll say on TV, smoking kills you. I see it. <laughs> or I have a patient that comes in with an amputation. And like Dr. Faccaretti talked about the diabetes, um, the A1Cs, you know, I, I can tell the health of a patient just by walking into the room and looking at their feet. I can tell if they're a well-controlled diabetic or uncontrolled diabetic. I can tell if they're a smoker. I can tell a lot of things by just looking at the patient's feet. So from my experience and my training, as people come on and throw a lot of statistics at people, I actually live it and see it every day. So it it changes my dynamics and then also changes because I am a diabetic myself. I've now been diabetic 19 years and then treating diabetics and having the same disease. It changes your approach when you talk to patients. I think I'm more blunt with my patients than the average doctor. <laughs> now, when you say blunt, do you think that, Dr. Richmond, you might be that way to help them understand the seriousness of diabetes? Yes, because I actually had a patient actually this past Friday who had a popliteal aneurysm in her leg, which is an, an aneurysm is a big mass or a blockage of blood. It's a large blood clot, and she had one behind her knee. So they had to open up her leg. They couldn't do it like where they go through the wrist or the groin. They had to go and open up the leg and get to the vessel and clean it out, and she was complaining that she had a scar on her leg, I said, well, would you rather have no leg and no scar or a scar in your leg? And when I put it that way, it changed her perspective because being a podiatrist, I have patients that have half a foot and four toes, three toes, four toes, one leg, no leg, you know. So I see all the different complications every day in my practice of diabetes, high blood pressure, hypertension, smoking, all the different complications. I see that daily in my practice. And so when you try to address particularly diabetes, what's the response from most of your uh, <laughs> patients? What, what do they say to you? Doc, they say, Doc, I still want to eat what I want to eat? They do say that, but I tell them, you know, it's going to kill you and you're going to die. And you probably won't die with your legs. And <laughs> you're going to die young. And then I give them solutions. I give them options. You know, I tell them things to help them with their diet. 
And we talk about what is a carbohydrate, uh, what are good carbs, what are bad carbs. We talk about meal planning. Like I'll tell patients, turn everything white in your diet brown. So uh, when I say that, I'm saying turn your rice to brown rice, your pastas to whole wheat pastas, your bread to whole wheat. Instead of white potatoes, eat more sweet potatoes, eat more vegetables in your diet, less anything that's made with flour. You want to kind of cut out of your diet and eat things that are more high fiber food. I give them suggestions like on snacks. I'll say, well, if you're snacking, you want to snack on nuts. You want to snack on cheese. You can snack on apples, things that won't spike your blood sugar. Sometimes, since I am diabetic, I have a fridge, microwave, and freezer <laughs> in my office. No, I'll go no, wait a minute, Dr. Richmond. Now, I understand the microwave and the refrigerator, but did you say freezer? Yeah, I have a little freezer for all my snacks because I have all my sugar-free ice cream, my sugar-free ice cream bars. So, so <laughs> you plan? Yeah, I have an air fryer in my office. So, so I'll go sometimes if I have a really difficult patient that doesn't believe sugar-free things taste good, I'll go grab like some of my sugar-free candy or sh- like a sugar-free drink or even and I gave one patient a sugar-free popsicle, chocolate popsicle. And she's like, oh, this is good. I said, yes. Yeah. So, you know, but a lot of people have so many misconceptions of sugar-free that it's going to taste nasty. And I tell them, you know, you have to change your eating because what you eat will kill you. So you have to try new things. You have to tr- you have to taste it. And these things, the things I buy are in your local Kroger, Myers. You just have to look at, look for it or your Walmart. They have a little section in every pretty much aisle where it's, everything is sugar free. So you can get like all my, I was telling a patient about coffee. Like I drink coffee every day. All my creamers are sugar-free. I buy the sugar-free liquid sweeteners with the flavoring sugar-free. But you have to look for these things. And it's out there, but you have to go to the bigger stores. But you can get some of that like at Save-A-Lot, those kind of stores. But you have to look for it and really be aggressive in trying to take care of yourself. And what happens if for some reason, Dr. Richmond, if we don't take these warnings seriously? Well, that's when you have the complications from diabetes that I see every day. <clears throat> In the African-American community, kidney failure is rampant in our communities. You see dialysis centers popping up like McDonald's. <laughs> Actually, And that, that's pretty scary. It is. And, and sadly, most of the time, the... Kidney failure is preventable, but I mean, if you were to walk into a dialysis center now, it's probably predominantly white. I mean, predominantly African-American. If there are whites, probably poor whites, lower socioeconomics levels. But you see mostly African-Americans and you see all ages. You Mm -hmm. don't don't see 60, 70 year olds. You see 40, 50 year olds going on dialysis. And then. And and that's another thing I worry about with my patients is blindness. As part of a a requirement for our Medicare, we have to ask patients about eye exams, diabetic eye exams. And I I refer out so many patients to one of my colleagues that's an eye doctor here in Dayton, Dr. Patrick Spencer and Dr. Kevin Watch, which are both African-American eye doctors here in Dayton. But I refer them so many patients who do not get their annual eye exams. 
And I'm like, and then they're like, I can't see. I have blurry spots, this, that, and the other. I'm like, oh, you got to go see an eye doctor. You could be going blind. So what are some from of your... the issues that they are? Is it glaucoma? It's called retinopathy. Retinopathy. And what exactly is That's that? where the vessels in the blood, in the eyes become damaged. Okay. And it can cause blindness. And there's, and the, the eye doctors can do different tests. Ophthalmologists can do different tests and procedures to save their vision. But they have to get in there before it's, you know, irreversible. And being a uh, diabetic, you're supposed to have an eye exam every year where they do a dilated eye exam, where they dilate your eyes and look in the back of your eyes. So that's something all diabetics should have annually. And then, of course, they have to see their primary care doctor. And then so as far as diabetes, so it affects your eyes, can affect your kidneys, it can affect your feet. So, you know, we talk about in the past about when it affects the feet, it, you, that's when they lose the sensation. They can step on a nail attack. And then they also start to develop the neuropathy pain, which is the numbness, tingling, burning, feeling like you're walking on things that aren't in your shoes. You feel like you're walking on like your socks are balled up, nothing there. So those are what's called paresthesias. And then nodal neuropathy, where the foot becomes neuropathic, is when they cannot feel at all. And that's when people start to develop the ulcers on their feet. So that's mm-hmm. what I deal with, where people come in with a hole in their foot. And the only way they know there's a hole is the drainage from their sock or the odor from their foot. Or oh, someone wow. else noticed it. And That's pretty extreme. Yeah. I had, um, I, I've had quite a few ulcers in the last few weeks, actually. I think it's because people haven't been coming in like they should. Because of the virus. But yeah, I've seen my ulcer numbers have increased a lot in the last few weeks. So tell us a little bit about how the telehealth works. So telemedicine, telemedicine yes. it's not I, it's not really working for me per se that well, but it works more for primary care. So they can actually just do first the insurance companies mandated a video call. But that, then they figured out most people can't do video calls because they don't have like smartphones or they'll have computers. So now it can be just a phone call where your primary care doctor can call, go over your meds with you, ask you about symptoms, refill your meds. And then the physician can be re- re- um, reimbursed for their time. I can do the same thing. So more, I was doing more like refills for people who didn't want to c- come in because they were scared of the virus, um, talking about different things like that. Like I could see a rash if they could show me a picture or take, the phone to their foot or leg. I can see a rash, something like that. Follow up on something like that. Talk about symptoms. and But it's more for people to keep them from coming in physically into the doctor's office and for the, the doctor and patient to maintain that doctor-patient relationship safely and keeping up with patients, especially our elderly patients who are really scared to come out and checking on them and being able to talk to them and check on their patients. Mm-hmm. So that's what telemedicine is. That's nice. And so can you walk us through, Dr. Richmond, the process of uh, making an appointment with you and what that appointment looks like the day of the appointment? Well, actually, we are we will be integrating a new software actually coming up probably in the next few weeks. So now new patients will receive a text message where they can actually go online to an app check in. They can even upload their insurance cards, IDs, pay co-pays, 
They can do their pre-patient visit paperwork, like like history questions, you know, do you have diabetes, high blood pressure, all that kind of stuff can be done before they arrive. And then when they do arrive, we will have HIPAA compliant iPads where they can use an iPad to check in in the lobby. So I would say from start to finish, average new patient visit is an hour to hour and a half, sometimes two hours, depending on what the patient is coming in for. Mm-hmm. So um, so say you're coming in for heel pain, first visit. So you have to come in, I would say at least 30 minutes before your visit, bring your information. The person at the front desk has to enter your information. Then you have to be taken to the back. They do a complete history of the patient. So people think because you're coming to the foot doctor, we only talk about your feet. No, we start from your head to your toes because your feet are attached to your whole body. <laughs> so it's and, not and, a and, separate and organ. The that. Well, okay. So say you have heel pain and you tell us you had a low back injury. You have bulging disc in your lower back. You have arthritis in your lower back. Then you tell us that you have high blood pressure. You have a lot of swelling in your feet. That's relevant. Or then you tell us, oh, I'm a diabetic. My A1C is 15. (laughs) That's relevant. Because now we have to determine, is that heel pain, which is plantar fasciitis, or is that nerve pain from the nerve damage from your high blood sugar? So that's why we need to know all these different things. And then also, like we may say, have you ever had cancer? We ask you that because chemo can cause you nerve pain. It can cause you neuropathy. Mm -hmm. So a patient may be a breast cancer survivor and now her hands and feet burn because she has side effects from her chemo drugs. So it it gives us a history because lots of times I'll catch patients who come in with their feet are on fire. They're not diabetic. They're not never been alcoholic. They've never been on chemo. They don't have thyroid problems, but they got a bulging. That's where it's coming from. It's coming from their lower back. So then I have to refer them to a back specialist who's going to work up their lower back, x-ray it, MRI it, and then give them treatment options for that pain specifically. Now, there's drugs we can just give you, but we're not addressing the cause of that pain. So that's why it's so detailed. Because doctors, we're like detectives. We kind of have to take, we sit and then we listen to your story. And then we say, oh, okay. You say you were, you say you were, like I had a patient, she was in a car wreck and she had severe injury to one side of her body. She had all kind of numbness just on one side of her body. And that's where she broke a bunch of bones in her foot. And she also had a lot of swelling in just one foot. And once I x-rayed her, I saw a lot of the bones, they had to reconstruct. It was like an egg, put it back together. So her pain was coming from the surgery, the trauma of them trying to fix everything and put her back together. And it wasn't like malpractice or anything. It was just they had to go in aggressively and throw in screws and plates to put her back together. So they damaged nerves. They damaged vessels. So now... The discussion is you're going to have to be on medication to block that pain. And then we need to check your vascular status to see why you're swelling and get you to a vascular specialist to see if that can be fixed. Or will you just be wearing a compression hose for the rest of your life? Because the damage from that injury may be irreversible, but I can help control your pain. 
but then I have to know which pain meds to give her. So a lot of patients, <laughs> if we go to another discussion, got into opioid abuse because people didn't discern the types of pain. So numbness, tingling, burning is nerve pain. Aching, throbbing is opioid pain. But everybody don't need an opioid. <laughs> so a lot of people can just take some ibuprofen or put some topical on it. So that's where we got into the opioid crisis. For any kind of pain, docs just threw opioids at everyone. Then people got addicted and we went down that path. So it's that's why when I ask a lot of questions, my staff asks a lot of questions because they're trained. They'll come and tell me, oh, she's diabetic. She's been in a car wreck. She has low back pain, blah, 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 because they know the buzzwords to tell me. So when I walk in the room, how was you hit in the car? Were you hit from the back? Were you hit from the side? What did you injure? And then I can go through the history. And then also the kind of work they work, they do. Like I have a lot of patients come from Mali. They work seven days straight, seven days. They don't stop. And they come in with all kinds of problems. And lots of times I take them off work. I'm like, I want to take you off for two weeks. Can you be off two weeks? Because like they'll come in with heel pain. I can't stop it because you never stay off your foot. You're on your foot 12 hours, seven days a week. It's not going to get better. I can give you shots every day, but you go right back to work. You don't rest. Your tissue doesn't rest. And a lot of times I have to take them off work and do paperwork. And I take them off. I'm like, I want you off for two weeks. Can you Do you have enough leave to be off so you can rest and heal? So that's why it takes so long because it's like we're playing detective. We're working you up. We can do x-rays on you. We can do nerve studies on you. We can dispense your orthotics. I can tape your foot. I can, you know, we can do so many different things to you. So it takes time to do all that to you. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> Interesting. So there is a, a significant purpose in asking um, the patients about their history, the medical history. Oh, yeah. It's all relative. Like, say... Say, a, I have a lot of older people that come in. They're like, oh, I'm so swollen. I stay swollen. I'm always swollen. And I'm like, what's wrong? Is it your heart, your kidney, or your liver? What's not working? Oh, I'm in kidney failure. That's why you're swollen. Oh, I'm in congestive heart failure. That's why you're swollen. <laughs> oh, I'm in liver failure. That's why you're swollen. And it's like, I can't treat that. You got to go back to the person who can put you on a water pill or who addresses your heart problems, your kidney problems or your liver problems. But I need to know why you're swelling because a lot of patients want to just jump into a compression hose. And I'm like, no, we have to check your vascular status first because I can't put a super tight compression hose on you and say your blood vessels are already partially blocked. So it's kind of like your hose pipe is kinked and then I step on it. <laughs> you have no blood flow. I can cut off your blood flow with a compression socket. So that's why I always say we need to check your vascular status first. And then if it's good, we can go to compression stockings. And then I'm going to also refer you to a vascular surgeon who can look at this test and determine if there's anything else going on. Because it could still be like heart disease or something else. Or it could be venous, which is another system. That's the, that's your veins, which takes the blood up. So it's 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 a lot going on than just, I just want to go buy some compression stock, compression stock is from Kroger because <laughs> my feet swell. You need to know why your feet are swelling, what's causing it. And then you can address it. The then you can address it because it could be so many different things. I have actually caught 
different things or gotten people to uh, people who've like, oh, if you hadn't brought, sent her, she could have died. She could have, like, I've had patients who I've worked up who've had blood clots in their legs, which is a PE, and it could have went from their legs to their lungs and killed them. But because I screened them and got them to a vascular surgeon who didn't screen them and tested them some more, they found blood clots that, you know, they were able to give them medicine. So it's a lot more than me just chipping and clipping nails and doing calluses. I do a lot of different things and work with a multiple group of specialists because I'm a specialist. So I know I can't treat your knee, but I know someone who can. And my patients always tell me that you the only doctor that address everything. Well, I said, I can only treat your feet, but I know people who can treat all the rest of you <laughs> and I'll send you to them. You and, definitely have referrals. Oh yeah. I do a lot of referrals, but uh, I feel like, you know, I, I want you to be happy. I want things to be addressed. I can't treat it, but I will refer you to someone who can. And people and patients, they love that because if they'll come in, like they'll say, I can't see or I'm watching them and they're reading like the paper right against their face. I'm like, do you have an eye doctor? <laughs> and I'll refer them out. I'm like, because you should not be reading a paper like in front of your face. You need your eyes checked. So and speaking of that. Our president is trying to push for them to take away the Affordable Care Act again. So what would happen, in your opinion, to our country if the Affordable Care Act is taken away? Millions of people would die quickly. They would die. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Epidemic. And most of the people who die from coronavirus are unhealthy to begin with. That's why they're dying. People who are morbidly obese, uncontrolled diabetics, uncontrolled chronic diseases, smokers, emphysema, COPD, people with any kind of chronic disease. That's who's dying from these from the coronavirus, the sicker part of our population. So if these people have no insurance, they're just going to stay at home and die. And then. And then like uh, Dr. Faccaretti talked about the amputation rates in African-Americans. So if you take away the insurance for, per se for them to see me and for me to even determine that something's wrong. And by the, if they don't have insurance, they're going to show up in the ER with gangrene. And it's just a straight amputation. Because if you don't have insurance, sadly enough, they're probably not going to do all these extra tests on you because they're not going to get paid. You're just going to go on to an amputation. And sadly enough, the story I used to tell before uh, the Affordable Care Act was I had a patient like that. He was uninsured. He lost his leg. As soon as he lost his leg, they put him on Medicaid. Mm. So they paid for his new plastic leg, <laughs> his new diabetic shoes, they, two, two shoes for his plastic foot and his foot that was left. <laughs> they paid for all his care. After, uh, with the possibility of the Affordable Care Act, uh, the discussion of it being taken away, what is it that Americans can do? Vote. <laughs> That's pretty much it. You could call your congressman, you could do whatever you want, but you have to vote. And you have to vote on every level, not just the president. You need to go down the line because. I don't know what our local congressman has voted, but you need to look at their history and see what they're voting for and against. But you need to look at Congress, look at the Senate, look at the House and see, check their voting records and see how they vote. Because, you know, this is life or death. 
And the power that be are people in Congress. They determine all of our legal. I mean, even with George, the things are going now. I think the House passed something um, for George Floyd and policing, changing policing. But the Senate is totally against it. And that's pretty much Republican control. So, you know, we got to get out there and vote. We have to get out there and vote for people who has our interests, who cares about us. Not people who don't, you know, cares about, you know, the big wigs and the, you know, the billionaire companies and their their buddies, but not for the Joe Blows and I guess Joe Anita's Anita Blows or, you know, the little people. They, you know, you have to. I mean, I tell people now we got to vote by any means necessary. If we got to walk in, drive through <laughs> and take it serious. airmail, whatever it takes, we got to vote because what happened with George Floyd and millions of other, you know, black men and children and women and everything else, we have to vote. That's the only way it's going to change. That's your message today. Huh? Vote. Vote. <laughs> vote. Make sure you vote. Like we voted for Obama, we got to do it again. We got to get out there and vote. We hope you enjoyed today's show with Dr. Richmond, sponsored by the Richmond Foot and Ankle Clinic. The clinic is located at 1323 West 3rd Street in Dayton, Ohio, zip code 45402. To book an appointment, call 937-228-3668, or you can learn more at richfeet.org. 